Hello, David. Hi, Ryan. How are you this fine day? I am really well. So it's been a few weeks since uh, we last did a podcast. A couple of weeks, lots happened. A lot has happened. A lot of positive things as well. Yes, really, really exciting. Come on then, tell the world, what have you been up to? Well, I've had quite a success this week. I have nearly reached my goal weight because in the last couple of months, I've been really concentrating on diet. It's paying off and I'm uh, two pounds off my goal weight. That's really exciting. So um, as you've heard us mention before, uh, David and I and, and, and a few friends, we have a bit of a men's club on a, on a Thursday and um, we, we, we put a bit of a bet on if you like, a bit of a wager on who could lose the most weight. And basically the loser has to take everybody out and, and buy everybody an ice cream. So at the beginning of this, we were all really up for it and things were going really, really well, um, apart from one person, me. Uh, because the problem is, is I really, 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 really enjoy things like chocolate and sweets and uh, all those things that are terribly bad for your voice but also for your belly uh, but you have been an absolute star haven't you and you've started uh, you started to really drop the pounds yeah <laughs> oh, good oh well i've got some really exciting news right now in my house all you can hear going around the house is it's like a faint whistle going through the house, up the stairs, into the bedrooms, downstairs, into the living room and the kitchen. Reuben has learnt to whistle. So this is really, really exciting. However, a little bit annoying because we're not even using words now. We're just whistling. And I'm not particularly good at whistling. He thinks this is hilarious because he can whistle and he's three years old. And I'm 33 and I can't whistle. <laughs> so, um, but I, I used to be able to whistle. I don't know where it's gone. No. I, I don't know if it's the moustache or it can't be. Can you whistle? I can whistle a little bit, yeah. I yeah. tell you, my grandson loves it when you whistle at him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. I mean, we've got, we've got an eight-year-old as well and he can't whistle as well. So he's finding it incredibly frustrating that his, his little brother who is three can whistle. I don't know if you can lose a whistle. There's got to be some science in that. Anyway, must be, must be whistling aside today. We're going to talk about quite a journey, a journey of our battle with COVID. Now, not in the sense of health, uh, because you and I have been particularly fortunate. Neither of us have caught COVID, but actually in terms of COVID and its impact on our choir, the North Prospect Community Choir. And like every choir up and down the country and around the world, I assume, it has been heavily affected uh, by the impact of the coronavirus outbreak. So, seems like a pretty good thing to talk about, David. Yes, I mean, at the beginning of this year, the choir had such an exciting adventure. We uh, got some of the Mayflower 400 community funding uh, and we commissioned a piece of music uh, called Sands of the Ocean City. Uh, because Plymouth is known as the Ocean City, and as everybody will be aware, we were in Plymouth and around the world and in America having huge celebrations for the Mayflower 400. Now, we started rehearsing Sounds of the Ocean City at the beginning of the year, and we were within three weeks of its world premiere, which was going to be performed at The Box, which is a multi-million pound new cultural centre in Plymouth. And we were going to be performing this work 
to the Plymouth community at the opening of this fantastic new centre. But yeah. unfortunately, three weeks before that, the dreaded COVID really took hold. Yeah, it really did. So um, we've worked really closely with the Mayflower 400 Community Fund and the people at The Box. And myself and composer Adrian Hull had put Sounds of the Ocean City together. He composed the music. I wrote I wrote the lyrics. And it was really, really exciting. Not only um, for the choir, but from a personal perspective, this is the first piece of commissioned work that I'd ever been involved with. And um, to be a part of that writing team was incredibly exciting. And I know it seems minor in in the grand scheme of things for us this was a really big thing it'd been a couple of years in in the making and I know Adrian was really excited about it you obviously were I mean this was your 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 idea this was your idea initially the choir were really up for it it was a big event the opening of the box Mayflower 400 was huge across the city and it was really starting to spread across the country and then yeah like you said coronavirus hit and we basically had to put all of that on hold. And the other thing was that we were, uh, it was going to really raise the profile of our choir, this performance, because not only were we going to sing at the box, but we, we had been invited to sing at other ventures around the city between May and September. However, yes, it's not been cancelled and hopefully we will be able to resurrect and perform this work in the future. And the, the great thing also, we had over 40 regular members who were coming to choir and it was a real integral part of their life, being a member of our choir. It, it doesn't seem like it was hard work wasted. It wasn't a wasted effort because we can pick some of that up when whenever the world gets back to some form of normality. But it is a bit of a, a kick in the nuts, if not for a better phrase, in that you and I worked incredibly hard. Dr. Adrian Hall, our composer, worked incredibly hard. The choir worked incredibly hard. This was a new experience for them, one they had never really touched before. But it's not wasted. We can come back. We'll come back stronger. And, and we're going into this podcast with real positivity. So let's talk then about those first signs of COVID. What was it? Late January, early February. There was there was talk of something going on in in Wuhan, China, wasn't there? I don't know can, if you can recall back to then what you were thinking at the time. I honestly didn't think it would become that bad, and it wasn't until sort of late February, beginning of March, that there were warning signs that this is serious now. Yeah, I'm the same. So I, I mean, I will hold my hands up and openly say and obviously you feel a bit foolish now but we've seen this before with swine flu and h1n1 you know these things do appear these these viruses and in the most part they're either localized or they kind of fizzle out and, and we were coming into spring as well so the warmer weather was coming in so i think there was an air of okay it's here i i don't think it's going to spread too much what do i know nothing but I kind of disregarded it I knew it was there I was listening to the news um, and like you said it wasn't until early March where there was talk of maybe having to close down the country and uh, more people in the UK were dying um, and infection rate was going up that I actually started to think okay this is a real thing and this is a real issue and from a, um, a selfish perspective I was thinking okay this could really affect both my work in school but also the work you and I do with the choir which then led into eventually uh, a full lockdown 
which then really impacted us, didn't it? Because our rehearsal space is in a school and part of that full lockdown was to partially lock down schools. And all community groups that used to uh, use the school were, were cancelled. And so we, we had to, we had no other alternative but to cancel our choir rehearsals. And, and yeah. so we, we did it for a, uh, cancelled for a couple of weeks and we got together and we thought, right, we've got to rethink this now. How are we going to keep in touch? How are we actually going to keep this choir going? Yeah, everything was cancelled. And that was absolutely the right thing to do. You know, we had no qualms with that. And we took a couple of weeks to just kind of sit back, reflect, kind of mourn, if you like, what we thought was going to be the end of Mayflower 400 and, and, and the Sounds of the Ocean City project, regroup, rethink and think, how can we best serve our community? So in partnership with, with the school, I came up with this idea for a community sing-along. I don't know if you remember that, right at the beginning of lockdown. Yes, and it was really, really well received as well. And it was lovely to bring not just the choir community together, but we brought the school community, teachers, parents, children. It was really great. I think we did it twice a week, didn't we, on a Monday and a Thursday? Yeah, so we started off with obviously the beginning of lockdown. Initially, the first couple of weeks, people were like, oh, this is nice. I've got, um, I'm at home. I can do all the decorating. But there weren't many shops open, but more and more opened up like the DIY, DIY stores and whatnot. But then I think the novelty wore off. And it's at that point that we really hit our peak with the community sing-along. And we worked really closely um, with Mayflower Community Academy and Nursery down here in Plymouth, getting this community sing-along together, inviting parents, uh, pupils, um, choir members, their family, um, and really anybody else on Twitter that wanted to join. And we did it for about six weeks. And it was really, really exciting. And it was good fun. It was like 20 minutes basically karaoke there was no real intention to create anything spectacular it was literally just a chance for people to see other people's faces who they missed um and get together and have a bit of a sing and and have a have a dance around the living room and it worked fabulously and, and i was really pleased we did that it really did bring people together and so many of our members felt incredibly lonely so that kind of evolved didn't it because that got us thinking okay there's a real possibility here. And I do a lot of online work. So a great deal of, of my voice coaching is done online. Like many voice teachers, I was doing that before uh, COVID. There's a real opportunity here. I don't know if it's possible, but if we can get 40 people within a Zoom call to do a community sing-along, is there a way of doing a choir rehearsal via Zoom? This was a completely new world to you. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm not the most technical of people, as you know, Ryan, but it was uh, it was a learning curve and I had to uh, learn how to use the old Zoom and communicate. And we, we did develop some rehearsals uh, and just for choir members, we, we wanted to actually teach them something uh, and sort of start looking forward, uh, teaching new music uh, so that we were ready in the future that when we came out of lockdown, we, we had something there. And it was also exercise in the choir's minds and, and, and they were actually beginning to, to work hard at learning different parts. And, and we used different strategies. We would put the, the different parts on our website as well. So our choir members could listen to it during the week uh, yeah. and different things like that. We, we learned a lot through that period. 
I feel, um, in terms of how we teach and what's effective. I think it's fair to say there, there were many successes with doing it. I think you and I have learned a great deal on honing in on our, our teaching strategy. And, Indeed, and I think yeah. a lot of teachers, whether it's choir directors, school teachers, whatever, will probably, because many of them would have done remote learning, as it were, would have learned a great deal from teaching in this format. You have to be incredibly well planned. You have to stick to a plan and you have to know what you're going to achieve. And you also have to accept that sometimes you're not going to achieve that in the time given. I mean, we only had 40 minutes because we only had the free account. So you could only do so much. You couldn't do whole songs. And that was great initially. It worked really, really well. We had a really good turnout. I'd say we'd had maybe anywhere between 25 and, and 30 of our choir members, if not more, um, join us for the first few weeks on Zoom. But after a few weeks, you could kind of feel that they just weren't feeling it, you know, and that was totally OK. And I think like you, many of our choir members are not overly tech savvy. Indeed, uh, because we made a lot of telephone calls to a lot of our members trying to talk them through the technology so that they could join in. So we, we did do an awful lot to to keep everybody connected. Yeah. We found along the way that although this was, we, you and I felt that this was a really, really good way of teaching. It was very structured. It was very focused. And I've been a big advocate of remote learning and, and teaching. Like I said, I teach online most days of the week, but it's not for everyone. And I think in a choir, what you miss is that ability to be able to all sing together and hear each other because you can't do that on a Zoom call because there's a, a delay, there's a lag. And there are clever tools out there, um, things like Jamulus and Jamkazam and, and, and Soundjack, um, which are all programs which help to lessen the delay, but it's incredibly complicated and it doesn't make for a quick, easy setup. You know, you're going to be setting up for an hour before you actually rehearse and then it might not work. And then the problem is with anything techie, the more programs or things you add to it, the more problems that may occur. And then you've got to find out where that problem is. So there's nothing more simple and straightforward than getting everybody in a room and singing together. It's as easy as that. And obviously that can't be done online. And I think this frustrated many members. Uh, I think it frustrated us, you know, because we'd love to be able to hear everybody sing at the same time, but we just couldn't do it. It wasn't possible. And we kind of had to change our approach in that we said, okay, you're just going to learn parts and you're going to have to treat it as like a solo rehearsal or a lesson. Basically, you're getting a free lesson. But that's not what our choir members are there for. They're not professional singers. You know, they are an amateur choir. And by that, I mean, they don't go out and job. This isn't their job. So this was never really what they joined a choir for. They didn't, although they enjoy hearing the sound and, and the progression they make. This is not why they do choir. They do choir because they want to sing with other people. They want to hear other people and they want the success of working as a community and a team. Yes. And as you said, we carried this on for about six weeks, which took us then towards the end of June. And we had been working incredibly hard from the beginning of the year on the choir because of Sounds of the Ocean City and everything. And then we had to lock down and then we did this. And to be honest, I think, if we are honest, Ryan, by the end of June, we were nearly worn out. Yeah, we were exhausted. We were absolutely exhausted, both physically and mentally. Like many choirs, and I keep saying like many choirs because I don't want us to sound as if 
we were a one-off. This is most choirs up and down the country. You know, we had some big projects on the go and we worked endlessly and tirelessly to get these projects off the ground. And it was really soul destroying, you know, because we built the choir, everything was going amazing. And we were just exhausted. I was exhausted, exhausted mentally. I was exhausted physically. I know you with your ME, it was really hitting you hard around June sort of time. And you were becoming yeah. quite ill. And we just felt we needed to put the brakes on for a second, didn't we? Yeah, and, and, it, and it was needed. However, what came out of that was the positives that we're coming to today. Uh, because we are linked uh, through our, our, our insurances, through Making Music UK. And Making Music UK have been very supportive of all the choirs throughout the country, particularly in interpreting the rules that the government keep bringing in. And we did have quite a few uh, issues in that rules would be introduced, but we needed more clarity of understanding of this guidance. Uh, and I must say, Making Music UK and also the Musician Union were mm -hmm. superb in trying to support both professional and amateur groups uh, to make music again. And so yeah. obviously a campaign started about bringing choirs back. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Making Music UK and the Musicians Union, um, but also like groups on Facebook. Um, so like as, as, a, as a, a voice coach, we're kind of, we have a community of people, a community of voice coaches and voice teachers um that talk and that having that community to get things up and running again uh was really helpful because what happened over the summer and it seems so long ago now is that restrictions were being eased slightly and things like sporting activities uh, grassroots sports activities and things like that were beginning to take place and as musicians and singers we kind of felt what about us? You know, that's that was our thinking. It was this is great. This is amazing that people are allowed to enjoy some of the summer with their families and with groups and stuff. But what about choirs? And there was a lot of press out there in the early days of COVID around choirs that really gave singing a bad rep. It really hasn't been a great time to be a singing teacher or involved in singing in any way, shape or form, because singing had this 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 terrible reputation of of spreading COVID. Now, after studies, it's kind of shown that actually it's not as bad as people first thought. There is some risk there. There is absolutely no doubt about that. But so long as you've got uh, specific mitigations in place, good social distancing, you're generally you're OK, but you've got to be careful. But unfortunately, that wasn't really made aware until Declan Costello and his team um, did, did the study paper on the effects of singing on, on the on the um, aerosol spread of, of coronavirus. But once that study had taken place, making music, musicians union, all the people that work with choirs and singing teachers and whatever else really knuckled down on getting choirs and singing back up and run, running again, didn't they? Um, and, and we did some things as well, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, we wrote to both our local MPs and to be fair to them, different parties, these two MPs, but both supported our campaign and lobbied uh, the, the culture minister on our behalf. And they did get back to us. And I think this helped direct the culture secretary to actually think about 
yes, this may be safe. We might be able to do something about this. We might be able to let them go and start rehearsing again, obviously in a very controlled way, yeah. uh, which did start to happen. And then we were looking at a possible September start. We'd put all sort of th- sorts of things in place, hadn't we? Yeah, we, with the help of Making Music UK, we put together a very comprehensive risk assessment. But we also had to have this risk assessment assessed and passed by uh, the sites manager of the schools because they weren't going to just let anybody in. And he, oh, to be fair to him, he was so supportive and gave us so much advice and picked up on little bits, and quite rightly so. Uh, and that got our thinking about how we should develop a, a, a protocol of how we conduct rehearsals in a COVID safe way. Uh, and so we were getting excited. We thought, yeah, we're going to be back in September. Yeah. However, we got to September. It looked like we were going to go. We set up the first rehearsal. We got our uh, test and trace register up and running. We started to buy in all the extra equipment that we would need. And then the rule of six was introduced. We love the rule of six. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, but, I've no qualms with what the government are trying to do here. This is new territory. I honestly believe that anybody trying to manage this situation is going to have a pretty tough time, no matter which side of the fence you sit on. Yeah. But for the, for true. us personally, the rule of six became a bit of a problem. It did. So, so the rule of six was introduced and we had to cancel our September start. And we really had to rethink how are we going to do this? We worked incredibly closely uh, with, with the school, the trust, Musicians Union, making music. They were on it. OK, what does this rule of six mean for choirs? Does it mean, quite literally, you can have no more than six people in one place at a time? If that's the case, unless you're a six member choir, you've no chance. So for us, this meant one thing. We had to find out how the rule of six affected us. And initially, it looked like it affected us. It literally, it looked like it literally meant six people could not be in one place at a time. So we had to cancel our planned rehearsal in September, rightly so. Nobody was quite aware of what this really meant. And then there was some work done by by a number of organisations which actually dissected the government guidance a little bit more and actually determined that what you needed was individual bubbles of six, i.e. if you've got um, 18 sopranos, you have three soprano groups, bubbles of six, um, and that would be acceptable. This was then confirmed by the government, which gave us a new lease of life after working with the school and the sites manager for the schools that we work with him. And we created this most incredible protocol, the most wonderful piece of work, which basically was our lifeline, because without it, there was no way we could safely rehearse. You know, even we were aware of that. We were fully aware that without this protocol, there was absolutely no chance that I could feel safe in taking all those people in into rehearsal. So I thought this might be a really good opportunity, David, for you to just talk about some of the things that are on the protocol, because I know other choirs will have something similar and they may be interested to, to find out what we do differently or what we do the same or where we might have missed some things. Yeah, so we created a rehearsal protocol uh, with additional rule of six mitigations in conjunction with the choir's risk assessment, which we have given out to the choir members and we expect them to adhere to. And the one thing that the people who assessed our risk assessment said 
everybody must keep to this protocol. If anyone steps out of line, then you must ask them not to come to rehearsals again. Yeah, and we and we were absolutely fully on board with that. You know, this is this for for many people, this is life or death. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we set up a system, as Ryan mentioned beforehand, that uh, prior to any rehearsal, members must book via. Uh, the booking system uh, that we've put in place and they must tick the disclaimer that they haven't been in contact with anyone with COVID or they haven't uh, had a positive test or anything like that and that's very important because we have to keep that uh, information for test and trace uh, for up to 21 days after each rehearsal. Best way we found of doing this actually was to just create a, a Google form you fill in your name, fill in your contact details, um, you, you tick a box, you tell us which section you're in, it gives us an idea of how many people are going to turn up so we can we can mitigate um, appropriately. And it's so, so simple. Just create a Google form, helps us, but also helps test and trace as well. Cool. Uh, what else is on that protocol? Well, obviously, if any member feels unwell on the day of the uh, rehearsal, sore throat, cold, whatever, we ask them not to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we also introduce that if anyone had been traveling abroad on their return they should miss two consecutive rehearsals yep prior to coming to the rehearsal um, I put the people who have registered into bubbles so as Ryan said I'd have uh, soprano group one soprano group two etc etc when they arrive they must wear a mask they go into their bubbles and then we take the bubbles one at a time and take them into the rehearsal room where we have measured out every chair so you've got two meters every side behind and in front there's plenty of space around you uh, when you get to your chair you're uh, you're able then to take your mask off if you so wish uh, obviously uh, there's no uh, hugging or shaking of hands you've got to follow the rules properly you know you you mustn't mingle either yeah. uh, also we used to provide refreshments but we don't now people have to bring their own refreshments if they so wish once we've got them into the hall uh, and we've got down and we start a rehearsal we've split the rehearsal into three sections so we can rehearse for half an hour and then we take each bubble outside again because we have to have a 15 minute ventilation section and it's yeah. not the ventilation for for the the members it's to ventilate the hall yeah, so, so part of um, the uh, study that went into aerosol uh, dispersion uh, of the coronavirus was, was the need to ventilate the room in which you sing in. So we sing in a hall space, so it's really important that we move out of that hall space um, into a different space, either outside or wherever, um, so that that room can ventilate. You get everything open, windows, doors, et cetera, et cetera. Let it ventilate for 15 minutes which is great. If that's what needs to be done, that's what needs to be done. But it meant it did mean, like you said, that we had to we had to split our rehearsals into three parts. Yes, that worked very well. Um, and then at the end of each ventilation break, we would bring back each bubble one at a time and they would come. And obviously it took a long time on the first rehearsal, but our second rehearsal, people were used to it yeah. and, uh, and they knew what how we were going to work. For each rehearsal also, we provided obviously music for, for the members and then what we've decided is they keep that then. And uh, mm-hmm. unless it's a booklet that we can collect in at the, when we finished and we put that away for the required amount of time without being touched. Then at the end of rehearsal, we give out a, a disinfectant wipe and every member wipes down their chair and and puts it back and then we we have a committee and the committee go round and we 
basically clean down the rehearsal hall and where all surfaces that have been touched uh, and we're, we, we do this very thoroughly. And so that's basically how we conduct our rehearsals. Now, the first rehearsal, do you want to talk about that? Because uh, we had a few complaints, didn't we, at the end of the first rehearsal? It was a very, yeah, it was a very strange experience. Everybody was, of course, excited. And I wouldn't go as far as to say they were complaints. They were just, it was new. This is new to everybody. This is a new way of doing things. They're so used to coming into the room, chatting with whoever they want, um, hugging, kissing, whatever it might be, chatting, you know, whatever, as, as all social activity groups are. So this was a very strange experience to come to a place where, keep in mind, prior to COVID, this was their, their, their social world. You know, this, was, this is where they got their hugs and their smiles and their laughter and their, and their tears and whatever else. Um, and they couldn't do that. And it was a very, very strange experience for us for them, I, I feel like we were a little bit nervous, I think, but we did feel organized. In terms of what you're calling complaints, we had two things that people didn't enjoy so much. Those two things were keeping in mind that we're now moving into the winter. The first thing was how cold it was, both in the hall, but obviously outside as well. I don't think everybody was completely prepared. And I do think we should have probably put out a warning like directly before the rehearsal saying wrap up warm is going to be cold because we keep we keep all the doors open we keep all the windows open so that room is ventilated at all times and obviously outside is outside it's going to be cold and people really struggled with that but you know there are ways around that you know the second one was an interesting one so they like to have people next to them so that they can play off them okay and they can listen to their voice obviously they were two meters apart in a two meter radius as well so all the way around they had this this space of two meters around them which doesn't sound like a lot because it's just two uh, but actually when you're sat there and you've got two meters of nothing around you for for those singers who really rely on other people this was a very very strange and uncomfortable experience yeah they felt very isolated mm. uh, and and they felt they didn't have that support of one another uh, but I think it's something that they will get used to, but you can really understand how they feel. Uh, and I think also it uh, it has stopped some of our members actually from coming back. Yeah, I think so. I think a couple, you know, we started off with, uh, prior to the rule of six, we had 34, 35, maybe even 36 people out of 47, 48 people interested in returning to some form of singing in person. The rule of six was introduced. People's fears around COVID had obviously heightened and a number of people said to us, I, I, I can't remember how many, but I think it was a good seven, eight, maybe even. Look, I just don't feel comfortable right now returning. I just don't know if this is safe or not. So we ended up with about 24, 25 people. And if you include us, that's what, 26, 27. And actually I was quite happy with that. That was quite a good number. So we had about 24 singers and then obviously yourself, myself and, and James, our pianist. And it was a really good turnout. It was a little bit strange. It was a little bit odd because you hadn't seen these people, many of them for six, seven, eight months. And sometimes you just want to hug. Right. But you can't. Um, and we we had to say to people, you know, no, nobody broke the rules, which was excellent. But we did have to keep reminding people 
please don't break the rules. You know, this is incredibly important for our ability to rehearse. If you break the rules, then, you know, you're not going to be able to join us. But also there's a, a really dangerous virus going around, you know, don't be that person to slip up. So that was kind of weird being like that, because that's not usually our style. This is a, this is a community choir, remember? You know, you and I are there for the community, for the people. We don't we don't want to be cracking the whip, as it were, in terms of what people can and can't do. I am not a whip cracker um, in that all. in that sense, not in this format. You know, this is not a professional choir where members are getting paid to sing. This is for fun. It's for people. Um, so having to do that was really odd. And you say it's for people. And so we also thought, well, how can we also involve those people who aren't confident to come along? And yes. so you had the wise idea of doing a live stream, which we did. Well, I like to consider myself a wise man. And every year I would say I have about three wise thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear the other two then. Go yeah, on. well, I mean, we're in September. No, we're in October now. And I've had one. And, and this one it was to do the live stream. It actually came off the back of one of our committee members, Margaret, um, said, what about a live stream? And you and I had discussed the idea of possibly putting either a video out of the rehearsal or if technology would allow some sort of live stream, but we weren't sure if the choir were gonna go for it. Well, anyway, we got chatting to our committee because uh, every choir needs a good committee. Uh, and, and Margaret mentioned it and everyone's like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. So we're like, okay, great, we'll go with this. At the time, the only, I, I didn't really think about how we could do it other than I thought we've got a Facebook group for our members, but I didn't even know if you could live stream to a group. But anyway, it turns out you can. I wasn't overly confident that the technology would stand up to the test, but it did. And we're getting loads of views on that. I even think people that are coming to the rehearsal are then watching the rehearsal back on the live stream um which is hilarious i mean i've watched it a couple of times i don't i don't overly like to watch myself but um it's good to pick up if you you know it's good for it's good for teaching practice isn't it it's good to to see how you're how you're doing what you're doing but yeah um so i think oddly which is really strange keep it in mind that um we have 40 plus maybe 50 members and, and a few more on on the on the page for members that kind of flit in and flit out when they can the first videos had like 90 odd views which is strange i don't know where the other views are coming from but somebody must be watching it more than once which maybe suggests this is what i'm hoping anyway and i think this probably is the case because we do have um many of our singers are, are really into their singing they're probably working out which section of the video they need fast forwarding or rewinding to that part and practicing that part which is excellent what we've had now is choir members who can't make it for their shielding for whatever reason or they they don't feel comfortable uh, being in the room is they're asking us to send out the music which i'm going to do this week so that they can practice along at home the live stream has been one of the great successes and i think probably one of those things that we may continue post covid you know so if people are ill or whatever they can just live stream it and that will have a great effect as well so that was week one we kind of trialed everything basically. Week two was a massive success. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about week two. Because of week one and we sort of gone through how we were going to conduct a rehearsal, 
they started, the choir really started to work really hard. They knew the surroundings, how it was going to be, but they were determined to have a go. And by the end of the evening, we were blown over really by the quality of sound that was starting to come out yeah. from, from, from the choir members. And it also, we, we did sort of change our teaching manner a bit because we, we certainly team teach. Yeah, and I think in week one, it was very much, you do this bit, I'll do this bit, mm. you do this bit, I'll do this bit. Which That's we right. We don't usually work like that. But no, I think kind of just, yeah, it's not the way we usually work. We just kind of chip in and work together more organically, I would say. So I don't know why in week one, you and I thought it would be a good idea to go, you do this bit and I'll do this section. We really planned it. I think we overplanned it to a certain extent. Yeah, and it just did. felt a little bit unnatural from, from our perspective. Um, so that must have had an effect on the choir, as well as obviously the newness of it all. And in week two, I think we just kind of went, OK, we're going to do this, this and this. This is what we're going to teach. Obviously, we plan it out, you know, but we let it be more organic and that felt more real. It was more enjoyable. Yeah, we worked off one another, didn't we, really? Yeah, which is what we were doing anyway. So I don't know why in week one we tried to separate parts. That was silly, really. But I think we were nervous. But um, interestingly, in week two, our uh, James... Uh, a fabulous pianist, our accompanist, a, a word I always struggle with. Do you want to have a go? Accompanist. Accompanist. <laughs> uh, yeah. The guy that plays the piano, James, yeah. lovely guy, brilliant. Couldn't make week two. So he doesn't live in Plymouth. He travels down from North Devon. So one of the things that we learned from our Zoom rehearsals was the ability to use programs such as Sibelius and MuseScore to program our scores and use that as our pianist if and when James can't make it because he's got to travel from North Devon or he's got another arrangement on or he's working or whatever. And we use that instead because we use that throughout the lockdown period on the online rehearsals. And it was a real success. It worked incredibly well. It wouldn't have worked well had we not had that Zoom online rehearsal period, which gave you the chance to become familiar with the technology. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Re- yeah, it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for COVID. And I've learned an awful lot and I'm getting pretty proficient with it now. Mm. Uh, and I've, I've enjoyed actually creating the scores because, you know, back in the days when I was teaching and uh, writing scores, I, I used to do it by hand, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so this is a real step forward, I tell you. But no, uh, it's working with, well. With a quill. Yeah, with a quill and an ink pot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we used real ink. Yes. <laughs> But uh, no, the, the technology has helped us. And uh, I think it's something that we're going to use more and more, I think. Yeah. We I don't want to get rid of James. But no, 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 no. Gonna, because we love him. Uh, but it's going to be like, it's going to be a great support. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of tech. And, you know, I think you have been very open to the idea of tech. But this period has kind of proved to us that actually there's a real place for tech within choirs, within choir rehearsals. And there's a real benefit to online stuff. There's a real benefit to good apps and uh, and good software. And this has really moved us forward as a choir, I feel. And it will do once COVID is in the distant past. I think it's going to make us a better choir. And I think it's certainly made us better directors. Yeah. And, and the other thing that we learned or didn't realise and we should have done, it's just a small thing that after every ventilation break, we then had to do do a rewarm up. I thought about this, but obviously time is your enemy, especially when you're breaking into three parts. So in the first week, we didn't do that. And that was incredibly silly and daft on my part because I should know better. And I did know better. That's the thing I did know. We should really have a, a really quick warm up 
just get that voice limbered up again um, before singing again. Anyway, in the second week, we did introduce that again, which was the right thing to do. So we're up and running. Yep. We now have to look to the future. Mm-hmm. What are we planning then? Well, what is next? Now, the first thing to say, I suppose, is currently we're in tier one. And if we move into tier two, the high risk category, then we are fully aware that that's the end of in-person choir rehearsals. And we're okay with that. We're not going to let that bother us. We're not going to let that worry us. For now, we're just going to carry on as we are uh, until someone tells us differently. So good old you and I carry on. Good British grit, stiff upper lip and all that. Yeah. We're planning for Christmas, aren't we? We are. We We thought we... This Christmas is going to be important. We've had such a rotten year, the whole country, that we Mm. want to put together a concert of Christmas cheer. Yeah, so with our new knowledge of live streaming and and all things techie, we are going to put on a live-streamed Christmas carol concert for our community and beyond just to spread a bit of Christmas cheer. We just kind of want it to be a bit of, you know, the good old sit around the fire, mum and dad or whoever at the piano singing Christmas carols. That's kind of the feel we want here, just that people can just tune in for maybe half an hour, 40 minutes, and just really feel loved by their community and get a sense of Christmas. We are a community choir. Community is incredibly important to both of us. You know, it's, it's what we hold at the heart of what we do. And Christmas is a community activity. It's about bringing people together. And we need to think differently about how we do that this year, because usually we'd have a sold out concert in conjunction with the school and and, and the choir at school and our own choir. But we can't do that this year. It sells out every year without fail, but we can't do that this year. So we want to give something back, don't we? We've had the most amazing run. So we felt it was time to give something back. So maybe you want to talk about our intentions with any revenue made from this online live streamed Christmas carol concert. Yeah, we we want something to benefit in the community. So we, we've asked members of the choir to put forward uh, local organisations where we could ask for donations that we can give out into the community because, you know, there's a lot going on about um, children having free school meals should be given uh, these meals during holiday times. uh, And that's on the news at the moment. But we thought, you know, there might be some mental health charities local. We want it to be local for our local within Plymouth that we want to support. Uh, And so what we're going to ask is we'll do a live stream concert. We want those people who enjoy it to make donations. We'll have a giving page. And then those donations we want to give out back into our community. Yeah, a really worthwhile project. And, you know, we we like doing this sort of thing. You know, I think it's fair to say you and I are incredibly um, fortunate. All right. Yes, Christmas is going to be a little bit different. We're still going to have a Christmas. My children are still going to have presents. We're still going to have Christmas dinner. You know, we're going to we'll still see the grandparents in some format. All right. Yeah. Not all at the same time. And I, and I feel fortunate that that's the case for me. And I know it's the case for you. Um, but Christmas is going to be really, really difficult for a lot of people mentally, physically, uh, in terms of poverty. We talk about you talked about um, the, the campaign for ending children's food poverty. So we've got to give something back. And our hope is that our, our concerts sell out every year. We do three concerts a year and every single one is absolutely packed full to the brim. Our hope is, is that we get the same response online. And if we think about, usually we have about 300 people in our concert. If everybody who watched our online performance gave, I don't know what, five pounds, 
that's what 1500 pounds and we don't know which charity it is going to be yet or whether we split it between a number of local charities but we just know that we want to give something back and we want to spread a bit of cheer and that is essentially the show yeah and we want to make a difference yeah we do we do and we want to help you know uh, yeah. you know uh, running a community choir is not easy but yet we always feel so supported by by the organizations that we work with with the school that we work with and, and the community around us and people that come and watch us family we have been given nothing but support yeah. throughout this and before so it's time we gave something a little bit back i think i'm looking forward to that prospect i i am too it's going to be fun yeah right my friend we've chatted for a very long time um a, a really interesting journey an enjoyable one at times um, and a difficult one at other times um, but we are where we are now and we know where we want to be. And um, hopefully some of the things we've said here will will maybe inspire those people who want to join a choir to come and join a choir. It doesn't have to be ours. It can be any choir. And also for those choir leaders out there, choir directors, musical directors, hopefully we've we've shared some ideas that maybe they can use moving forward and vice versa. If they've got any ideas for us, we all need to look after each other at the moment because times are, are pretty tough within the music industry. Uh, and particularly in, in live performance as well. So we're in it together. I shall see you hopefully next week. Yeah. Take care, my friend. Bye. Bye. Bye.